Hello, I'm Kelly Mundell, digital editor of IOSH magazine. Welcome to our podcast series, which features exclusive interviews with industry experts, behind the scenes discussions with members and conversations with future leaders of the health and safety profession. This episode has been taken over by three of our future leaders. They discuss how to be a good safety influencer and the new standard for psychosocial risks and how it might impact mental health in the workplace. Hi, my name is Adam Gorn. I'm a health and safety officer at Northeast Further Education College. I'm currently grad IOSH after completing an MSc in health and safety. I've only been in the industry for just over six months, starting a career change to the OSH profession after being within the student movement in higher education. I'm also a member of the Future Leaders Steering Group. Hi, I'm Alpa Aguera, Tech IOSH member. I'm a health and safety advisor for Citizen, who are a housing association based within the West Midlands. Um, I currently sit um, a member of the Future Leaders Community Steering Group for 2021 to 2023. I have been in the OSH profession for four years now um, and looking to grow um, with, with the steering group. Hi, everyone. This is Abdul Hanan Chima, member of the IOSH Future Leaders Steering Group. I'm a tech IOSH member and project management professional. Having worked in health and safety in the Middle East for the last couple of years, I'm currently pursuing my master's in occupational health at McGill University in Montreal. Today, me and my colleagues from IOSH Future Leaders Steering Group will be talking about the Honesty webinar series, the IOSH Future Leaders Steering Group, and the impacts of the pandemic on health and safety professionals. So guys, we had started the Honesty webinar series, and in July, we did our first webinar. It had received a lot of interesting feedback from uh, the community, and we had a lot of uh, comments and discussions. So I want to uh, move forward uh, to the first section discussing our Honesty webinar in, that we conducted in July 20, 2021. And a few of the comments that we received were regarding health and well-being. So one of the interesting aspect of the conversation was that starting work during the pandemic has been quite a challenge. And as you all know that the pandemic has been a challenge overall in all aspects of life. So starting work is and challenge, additional challenge altogether. So Alpha has some experience in that aspect. So let's, uh, Alpha, what have been your challenges during the pandemic, starting work during the Okay, that's fine. Thanks, Abdul Hanan. Um, well, during the Honesty webinar back in July, I I was two months into my new role as a health and safety advisor. And during that webinar, I mentioned about that I struggled with homeworking because I had started it a year after everybody else. So I felt like everyone else had, had really got their grips into working from home, what they were doing, you know, on the communication side and things. And I was starting this a year later. So for me, I'm just six months into this new role. I am now I guess getting used to it, but I wouldn't say I'm fully on board with homeworking because my communication style is very much face to face. I like to um 
I like to communicate with people face to face. I I read from body language, you know, how people are in different settings. So that's the one thing I've struggled with because when you're talking to people through video chats, it's not the same at all. Um, and you're having to pick up or really concentrate on the person or people you're looking at uh, during the video chats, um, trying to pick up little, you know, bits of body language, things like that. I guess subconsciously we all kind of freeze when we're on video chat. We're not as open and free with our body language as we would be um, face to face. So starting a new role in the pandemic is it's um helped me just just tweak like my my skills and I think I've probably um adapted to new skills and settings myself um as well and um a, a lot within that webinar I did talk about loneliness as well being in in a new role because we did mention about health and safety professionals how we feel lonely within our roles generally but working from home you're you are just doing things yourself you you haven't got that constant communication with your colleagues you're having to work harder as well uh, being a new employee is um i believe um you're st- I'm still six months in. Again, I'm still um, not fighting against, but I'm still trying to blend in with those established rapports within between my team members. Um, I'm still earning trust from my team members as well. And I am still trying to prove myself in terms of my skill set, what I can bring to the team. And it's an, it's going to be an ongoing process uh, like any new job. But I think with working from home, you just have to work that little bit harder and smarter and just really pick up on, on things as much as you can. Well, I, I found that point quite uh, interesting like there's this term usually in the media zoom fatigue you know and video calling is something that uh, has that element of uh, fatigue and stress to it and i i found uh, that perhaps at a lot of the times if you're doing the audio call it's not that stressful so no matter how stressful the conversation is but it doesn't add that element of fatigue so thank you alpha uh, interesting point Adam, let's move to your suggestion in the, uh, the in the webinar that building your allies uh, is something that has helped you in uh, the OSH profession. So, so what do we mean by building our allies, and what's been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of your allies, it's it's the staff members that are going to make your life a lot easier. And what I talked about in particular in the webinar was around sort of expectation that if I went to the head of department, that they would answer me because I was health and safety, and um, which was completely wrong in the end, that they weren't the ones that I needed to contact. They're, they're the ones who obviously have overall responsibility for their teams, but that doesn't mean that they've got the time, capacity, sort of space to, to do a lot of the actual work as well. 
well. So, um, and I think for them, probably that they know their teams are are working hard, their teams are safe. So, in some ways, you know, the the com um, the the kind of way that they work is just that they'll they'll get on, and if they need anything, they'll they'll get in touch with me. Um, so, I think that was a the the biggest thing that I worked out is that they were and the allies, but actually the, the staff on the ground, so the technicians, because I'm in a higher education sort of setting and further education setting. Um, and they're the ones who can kind of tell me the secrets or kind of, you know, again, when we build that trust, they're the ones who can provide the the intel that's really, really needed. Um, and again, you know, so the littlest things where you need a favor from them, um, you can go to them and they'll absolutely do it for you because they know that you will give them a favor um, and that's been something that I've really, really found. Um, and I think, again, it's that power dynamic that, you know, although those allies aren't necessarily influencers or kind of powerful, um, but in number, they can actually really, really help you. So if you've got a team around you, when you then need to go to that head of department or that senior manager, because you've got people who have bought into it, that idea of what you said and are doing, um, then it kind of saves you having to make a bigger argument or kind of persuasion because they can see that then. And again, because they trust their teams, they know their teams. Um, if they believe in you and what you're doing, then then you've got a stronger allyship, which then gets the work done. Um, so for me, that's been the, the biggest thing that I found in my recent role is just sort of making sure I'm, I'm out and about speaking to people so that, again, that trust relationship is there so that allyship is formed. Amazing. Amazing. So it's obviously OSH is about teamwork, about working with mentors, about working with different allies. So there's always been a point in OSH that there's us versus them. There's production versus safety. It's the safety is usually seen as a different team, as a different part of the organization. And there's been a divide usually. So is that true? Is that how you guys have felt in your roles that there has been some sort of a struggle, that there has been this balance that we have to keep uh, us versus them? What do you guys feel about that? I think in sort of further education during COVID, there's definitely an element of that that's kind of come out because there's the demands of, you know, teaching and learning to making sure that students get the best possible, that, you know, they, they're coming on site now, that they're going to be able to, to access all the facilities that they could access before COVID pandemic. Um, and I think there's definitely a bit of a battle between all of that, you know, just simple control measures that we're kind of keeping in to keep people safe or trying to keep people safe as much as possible. They're into interfering with kind of that element of practical teaching that you know they there's there's a big argument to to why to keep it but then the argument coming the other way is quite massive as well and uh, I think at the moment for me in the role that I'm doing it's about kind of again using allies and working with them to then sort of develop that conversation with the heads of departments so that they can sort of see what we're trying to do uh, but also kind of meet them halfway. Um, so we've definitely found that, and I've definitely found that within the college environment. And it it has been something new to me as well. Um, it's something I haven't quite sort of seen and experienced. Um, and I'm sure it's different in every sector. But 
for me during COVID, there's definitely something around that. And yeah, I, I'm quite looking forward to the moment it's not, but then it also makes what the job exciting. It makes it interesting. It makes it sort of like that day-to-day -day kind of variability um, there. Um, I like that part. It makes the job exciting. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, whenever uh, as OSH professionals, we move from one sector to another, there are some unique cultural aspects. For me, I've experienced uh, moving from the construction to facility management sectors. And I found that the work has been quite fast-paced and quite uh, fast pace and aggressive in a sense uh, in construction and facility management is comparatively more systemized and more streamlined and perhaps more calm if we can use the term. So how has your experience been from uh, seeing OSH in one profession to another and perhaps experiencing it yourself? Yeah, um, I, I can definitely um make a contrast there because I moved from facilities um, environment for hospitality uh, to the finance kind of industry and now I'm in social housing and there's such a vast difference between the three um, sectors that I've worked in. Finance was very serious, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, things like that. Whereas with hospitality and the housing association, it's been very much people focused. So it kind of goes back to your um, dichotomy about production versus safety. Um, I found within hospitality and the housing association that if done correctly, both can go hand in hand. Um, Communication is such a big key for it. If you've got communication, you have the buy-in, the influence, and it makes your job easier as a safety professional. Um, whereas in finance, you, you did have to jump quite a few rings in order to get to where you wanted to and really kind of, I felt like I had to literally shout within myself to be heard or for for the idea of safety to be bought in. So, um, yeah, very much a, a diverse culture within different industries. I don't know whether you've experienced that yourself, Adam. I think for me, I came from higher education to further education, but I came from um, a student's union. So I was involved in kind of student support um, and our customer base was obviously what we would say was the membership to the students. Whereas now the the kind of customer to, to me is the staff members um, and then obviously through them, the, the students. So there's a, there's a definite shift um, and it, it's an interesting one because again, what I was talking about before in terms of you know who is it that you need to speak to and how do you speak to them and building that kind of relationship um it, it, it's hard at the moment but i can see in the future it'll be easier and hopefully we'll kind of work together to just to make sure that everybody is safe and that they the students are safe at the end of the day as well i think 
I think I've always been a good influencer, if I'm honest. And it's something that I think has been helpful for me to to actually land the role that I did. Because um, obviously I influenced in the interview to to show myself off. But I think one of the things, yeah, is around kind of that conversational sort of ability just to, to be on the same level as someone else. And, you know, not to prove that because I'm in health and safety, I'm the most knowledgeable and I'm able to to fix everything because the reality is I'm, I'm not. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of not knowing their area. They're the experts in, in what they do. So it's about kind of, again, just being on par with them and just trying to be as helpful and supportive as possible to, to win them over and, and get that. Um, I'm sort of, I would say probably in a more entry level sort of health and safety role as an officer. So, you know, I'm not really influencing the kind of more senior people within the organization. But I think, again, just going back to that, working with people around slowly but surely, you can you can make the changes and you can influence people and you can influence then the decisions on, on the top. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'm kind of, you know, working on um to, to sort of make the areas that I look after in particular or the areas that I've got kind of some control over um, do the kind of things that they need to do in the way that the policy says or the process says, but also make it personal to them so that it feels relevant rather than just this kind of, we're going to stick it there and expect you to, to do it to the T. Um, so I think for me, influencing is about that and uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of the the skills as a future leader or as somebody new to the profession. It's one that you don't necessarily have lots of experience in, but certainly it's one that you will definitely come out the other side having lots of experience in. And I think Adam, it, it joins uh, back to your point about building your allies. So once we have that network of allies, I I guess influencing becomes uh, uh, a bit easier if if that's uh, the word. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. So let's move to our next section of the podcast where I want to mention an IOSH magazine article, which is quite useful and quite uh, pertinent to our topic. The article was published in the August edition of IOSH magazine, and it's about the, a webinar. Uh, how to manage and protect the psychosocial well-being of the staff. It's a wonderful webinar that explains ISO 45003. ISO 45003 is an occupational health and safety management standard. It's about psychological, psychological health and safety at work, and it contains the guidelines for managing psychosocial risk. The standard has a lot of recommendations. It helps to identify the primary risk factors and to determine the factors that can improve and help in changing the work environment. Especially, it helps us to identify and control work-related hazards and manage psychosocial risk within OSH management systems. So it's a wonderful standard. I highly recommend the article to anyone that who hasn't read it and to check the webinar, which is quite informative. We'll discuss uh, some points related to uh, psychosocial well-being. So as you all know that uh, communication is a great part of uh, maintaining or minim mitigating stress. So 
how does poor communication or ineffective communication impact our job? What do you guys think? Um, for me, um, I'm big on communication. So this all ties down to what I was saying earlier about working from home and the lack of communication because it does drive me a bit wild sometimes when I'm you, you kind of go into overdrive, I think, about the lack of communication because you feel like the whole imposter syndrome kicks in. Am I doing the right job? Am I not? Am, am I deviating from what my team and the company strategy is? You kind of, for me personally, I get myself into a bit of a mind war zone when I don't have communication. So it's, very, very important for me to have that because I know where I'm going. I've got a clear head and then my mind isn't deviating um, off track to think I'm not doing, the, I'm not doing a good job. I'm not working according to the objective set for me, you know, things like that. So yeah, very, very important. <laughs> I remember one time I received a feedback from a colleague and he said, after sending a quite an extensive report, I got the simple feedback. I don't like it. <laughs> so I guess oh. <laughs> that's an example. Like uh, whenever we're communicating, if we're not clear, obviously it's it, it adds a lot of uh, unnecessary uh stress and a lot of time wasted, a lot of productive time wasted. So the next thing that comes to my mind is about getting excessive pressure in the job because uh, usually when we're having, especially uh, if there's a maintenance break in the work or if there's some high uh, uh, stress time, like there is usually excessive pressure from your boss or from your colleagues that we need to get the job done. So uh, like uh, usually uh, people say that pressure, excessive pressure is good. It helps you do the best job. But uh, from a, a health and well-being perspective, like what has been your experience relating to pressure at, in the workplace? I think just what you just said there about kind of pressure sort of making it better is just, it is just a total lie. Um, I think there's an element that we all say, you know, when we leave things to the last moments that we kind of get that rush on so that we kind of complete it. Um, and I think that's just human behavior, to be honest. I think when we've got a bit of time, we sort of, you know, we'll use it differently. We don't necessarily use it wisely. And then that pressure, obviously, when we've got to get something complete, then then we tend to do that. And I think that comes just to the way that a lot of us work, that a lot of our time during the day is spent doing lots of kind of conversational stuff. So again, going back to that communication where we just have those ad hoc meetings or, you know, we'll kind of get together and do some brainstorming. And that's kind of then where new ideas come from. Um, so for me, the the excessive pressure stuff is is something that needs to be looked at and needs to be addressed so that it doesn't come from ourselves um and i think that really leads into the 
safety culture side of things as well because if an organization is sort of you know presenting itself that everything has to be done to a high quality and everything's done on top of each other and it, it there's no kind of timeline there's no kind of structure or strategy then that's going to be really toxic and that's going to have a lot of then problems for people because again if we're all kind of you know leaving things to last minute but then there's these extra demands that kind of come then it, it's going to constantly go backwards we're not going to be able to move forwards and that's where burnout will come into and then that has obviously detrimental effect on well-being of people but then that leads on to kind of the risk of health and safety side of things that where people start foc- stop focusing instead of starting and then that's where they'll make mistakes and that's where the the kind of holes appear in our control systems great points adam great points well uh, another point that comes to my mind is about uh they say that you don't leave the workplace but you leave the boss so a challenging boss or a difficult boss that's uh, something that usually comes especially with the the osh profession has any of you experienced something related or what are your thoughts on that yeah um i mean challenging boss it's it's a good learning curve it it helps you grow personally uh for sure at the time you may not think so <laughs> but i mean trust me i've been there a number of times i've had various challenging bosses and um all i've come out of it a better person knowing what i want for myself i've actually grown um within myself as a osh professional um and it's actually helped me build on my soft skills which is a big thing that iosh's um currently pushing on with their competency framework i've i've it's it's amazing how i've managed to brush up on you know like things like communication dealing with difficult people you know dealing with conflicts and they're the kind of things that i've learned from having a challenging boss so as much as at the time i probably may have had negative thoughts now that i'm out of the situation it's given me time to reflect and um i've actually thanked them or should i say for for helping me grow in my mindset and how i want to be as an osh profession professional just what i think just what you're saying there alpa it it's i've experienced very similar i i came out of somewhere that i felt became quite toxic and i wasn't able to to maybe have the conversations with my boss that i wanted to have um and that had a massive effect on my well-being um and being able to then you know be productive in the role because actually i didn't want to be there i didn't want to be doing that job anymore um and again i think there's there's something about when you you're able to come out to it you can be quite reflective and i think one of the things particularly that i kind of focus on now is then well if i didn't enjoy that from their leadership then what kind of leader do i want to be and then where do i want to work that has that culture um to enable me to grow and for others to grow so yeah i completely agree around that being able to reflect afterwards is is important as well because you don't see it at the time you certainly don't yeah great point uh, i i especially agree that it's about uh, learning and about 
uh, learning perhaps to do the things in the right way and perhaps to learn to do the things not to do the things in in perhaps uh, not the best ways uh, alpa mentioned uh, something very interesting and important about the ayosh competency framework so i'll just uh, tell that there is uh, ayosh competency framework is about three main parts it's the technical aspect which includes for example incident management culture sustainability risk management and about health and safety law and then we have the behavioral aspect which is communication personal performance and the stakeholder management along with the core elements of the framework which are related to leadership management and strategy and planning so it's a wonderful framework it has 69 competencies within these uh, three main categories and it's a very useful to use this framework to develop your cpds which are the continuing professional development uh, and it to helps to update your record and to develop your blueprint so i would highly recommend that uh, if any of you uh, hasn't checked the latest competency framework to go online and download the full framework and will certainly help to update the cpds so guys now we've discussed about the bosses how about the work culture the organization culture we know that an organization culture can make or break our day it would help our well-being like if an organization has a friendly culture it can help us do our work in a positive uh, way and obviously learn let us give it gives us the opportunity to learn and grow but on the other side it would have detrimental impacts so what do you think about organization culture what are the plus and what are the minuses i think there's there's an important part of organizational culture is that it's not just one that there's several different that kind of interlink and run together and it's it's important that we recognize all of them um rather than sort of going this is how it is because it is the company or the place that we work um and one of the things in particular around safety culture is that it it it's led by the people above it's led by the leadership um they've got to show others that they care and that they are interested and then that sort of then trickles down to the employees fervor um you know the the kind of doers not necessarily the management function um but that also then links to kind of you know the rewards and recognition organization of the culture as well but also kind of just that you've just mentioned it that like the kind of fairness and how people are sort of recognized for the role that they do and are thanked or kind of you know their contribution is recognized because the performance or the organization is now making a little bit more money or something like that so for me i think we really need to recognize that they they run together um and if you if you're trying to improve somewhere then try and improve in all areas because it will have a knock on effect yeah um i just want to add actually adam to that um my point of view i think culture um ties very much into values as well um so 
um, I, I wrote an opinion piece, Future Leaders Opinion Piece article relating to work culture and values earlier on in the year um, for IOSH. And it was um, just having a contrast on to how culture values, uh, company culture and values can have a significant difficulty difference to how you are and um, although a company has its own culture and values as a whole you have the teams that adopt their own culture and values within an organization so not only are you trying to work to the company's culture and values you're also working to your own team's culture which may be very very different and it it does have a conflicting interest to where you are because you do get confused um, and if it doesn't work for you and it's something that you don't want to be associated with you you learn again it's it's a learning curve about yourself you you learn what your actual values are what you bring to the table for your work and you try I've tried to look for companies that work in line with my own personal values because I know that's where I strive if the company I'm working for work to those values um and one thing that I've started doing um in terms of interviews when I was looking was asking the hiring manager what the main three values their team work towards from a company and it's very interesting to see when you ask that question how different the manager um, portrays their own team and how different it is to the actual company's stated values and you get an idea of the culture that way. Nice tip, Alpha. I really like that. I'm going to use it in my next interview. <laughs> so last but not least, uh, during the pandemic, we had the benefit of commuting less to work. And I think now we've realized that commuting and getting stuck in the traffic or spending a lot of time uh, to go to work has perhaps never been fun. But why do you think commuting has usually been so boring? I, I would say, you know, I was very lucky that I my commuting my old job was 10 minutes door to door in the car so you know I, I, I never had anything that you hear kind of stories of the big cities where people have to spend two hours on a train there and back and you know when you're doing an eight hour day that's considerable amount of time just dedicated to to work you know with four hours that might not be as beneficial and stuff whereas now my commute you know is is much longer um but yeah, I can I can understand that, you know, for me, it's quite a novelty at the moment because I can still listen to a podcast or I can you know, put something on my phone and watch it. But for other people, it, it's not a social environment. You know, if you're sat on a train with, you know, hundreds of people potentially that you don't know, that's where, again, isolation and loneliness can can kind of come in. And I think as a society, there's there's an element of that. We, we don't just have conversation with random people because we're quite risk averse and kind of we don't know what they're going to say or do or react to us um i once went on a train and on that train i was like i'm going to speak to as many people that i sat with and 
you know, it worked out quite nicely. You know, the people were nice, but I think the first reaction was very much like, what, what are you doing? This is not the way things are done. Um, and again, I think just that kind of like psychology stuff and psychosocial stuff that we experience in the workplace and sometimes in our roles, we're experiencing it then again in the outside world and if you don't get anything back from someone then of course you're going to start to become quite isolated or or kind of you know in a sort of being because you're not getting that interaction you're not with your friends you're not with the peers that you want to be with necessarily um and i think that's kind of what's happened with commuting it's it's become a chore for people and you know if you even in the car um you're going to suffer from kind of stresses, which again, don't make it an enjoyable experience. You know, if you could go from your house, you know, drive the speed that you want to drive, not have to stop because there's a school or the sort of traffic lights and you just got there A to B in direct line, then I think you would be happy. But because you've got these other things to think about, it doesn't set your day off necessarily as good. Um, And I think one of the things, you know, with the work home, work at home stuff and that balance and trying to to sort of get it right now, we didn't have at the start of the pandemic in particular because everybody could just wake up at quarter to nine, roll over, turn the laptop on. You didn't have to present yourself for the day necessarily there and then. Um, and I think, again, we're, we were, we found that really, you know, a really fun thing. But now we're sort of dreading that kind of, I've got to then go on the computer, as we spoke about before, and try and communicate, try and build something. And it it's become what, the commuting was, I think, or that's how I feel. It's it's had that adverse effect now. That's a very interesting point, Adam, about the starting the laptop in the morning becoming the the commuting in the morning. Um, it's taken me back to my days when I was working in London, and commuting on London transport is is not the fun thing to do at all but I remember being in a robotic state just following the rat race following everyone we were like lemmings you know just following each other doing where we had you know what we had to do same thing going home and you just you're just in isolation because yeah you're all although you're in a crowd of people you are on your own no one talks you just head down and go to where you need to go to and come back home and you you're you're more stressed than anything when you're starting the day and when you go back home um whereas now uh, or before the pandemic I was driving into work and I used to I think where I have worked in London driving into work was a godsend for me because it was just me in my space and I used that as my wind down or my <clears throat> you know just to start my day in the right mindset wind down I can leave whatever's happened at work at work and think about my time going home what I'm going to be doing that evening and again I mean pandemic right there isn't any commuting for me but I that time I used to spend in commuting I've managed to do some things like fitting in some exercise in the morning before I start work and meditating just starting my day in a better way so was it boring yes it was commuting but um I wouldn't have changed that to be fair it was part of the working day well for me I think 
the best part about doing long commutes was the podcast listening to some amazing podcasts and perhaps uh, iosh magazine podcast is one of those that we are working on and that's what makes it a bit uh, like enjoyable but obviously i've had experience working in uh, commutes for one and a half hour and also like i mentioned five minutes and i i guess the 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 yeah it's it's about when you have a, a smaller commute it's about like you miss those aspects about the work life uh, or perhaps leaving work behind and uh, going home and perhaps getting that uh, opportunity to Uh, mentally move from one place to another i guess so i guess the ideal time for a commute would be 15 minutes <laughs> what do you guys think what would be your ideal time for a commute i i think for me mine i'm quite lucky that i get a 20 minute sort of ish sort of train um but i have to walk to the train station and then from the train station to my office and obviously vice versa on the way back um and that does give me obviously a chance to to exercise as alpha of said and that kind of you know wakes me up enough to get ready for the train and then yes absolutely listen to an iosh podcast or another one um just to kind of again get into the mindset of of things and i think these are things that really should be promoted as we kind of go back to whatever the new normal is or the old normal in some instances and i think for me this is where organizations can really kind of support employees to to make those things happen and sort of get themselves in a a slightly better position um so that that commute doesn't seem a negative thing because as alpha said you know she wouldn't actually change some of that um experience because it's had a obviously an effect um and you can't knock that that is something important to you potentially um so for me i think that's one of the things that organizations when we're particularly thinking about people and their well-being is about improving that experience particularly if there's you know a need for them to go in on you know either full weeks or you know considerable sort of part of the week is is supporting them through all of that well thank you adam and alpha as we wrap up the conversation i just want to briefly mention where everyone can contact the ayosh future leaders steering group so we've been quite active on the linkedin page go on linkedin just search future leaders steering group and you'll find us there all the activities that we're doing and we're looking forward to your participation in that we're doing some honesty webinar series look forward uh, to joining those we're participating in a lot of mentoring program and also in the ayush magazine so please join us uh, on linkedin and give us your feedback comments and whatever you're looking forward please uh, join us there thank you thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode see you next time for another conversation on all things health and safety